0: and welcome to She Existed, a podcast wherein I, Ashlyn Romagnoli, talk about some of the very interesting and often unusual women that pop up during my endless hours of googling and researching. These are the kinds of things I google when I'm up at 4am because my cat decided it was time to practice his solo for the All Kitties 2021 recital. Beyond just inundating my sweet, patient husband with hey guess what over coffee the next morning before he's really prepared to hear it, I wanted to create a place to share my findings and ultimately end up with some kind of record of the totally badass women I'm constantly amazed by from all corners of history and mythology. Also, because said sweet and patient husband is a voice actor, and on that note I am sorry that you have to listen to my obnoxious millennial voice instead of his smooth gen x goodness, I have access to a pretty dope recording setup, and it seems like a shame to let it go to waste. I mean, it's not wasted, it's like literally our livelihood, but I think you know what I mean. Anyway. Quick summary. Here's what this podcast is going to be. One episode, however often I do them, haven't decided yet, is going to focus on a badass woman. Or women, if there are several in connection to the story I want to tell. She might be historical, might be mythological. I have a lot of thoughts about the gray area between the two of those things. But since this is a summary that I'm supposed to be doing right now, I'm going to leave that discussion for another episode. Here's what this podcast is not going to be. Long. (laughs) I mean, though, like, obviously, I can talk for a very long time. And maybe I will sometimes. I mean, let's be real. I probably will a lot of the time. But I'm only going to script short tidbits or short-ish tidbits. We'll see. But my intention for this podcast is to be a record and a jumping-off point for other people who might be interested in learning more about these rad ladies. I want to let you know that she existed, and therefore, you can get out there and learn more if that's what you want. Though, I warn you, some of these ladies are pretty obscure, either through lack of evidence or lack of investigation because the patriarchy exists, even in archaeology. So it might take quite some digging to discover much more, although that's not always going to be the case. So get out there and Google. But you know what? If you don't want to do more research, that is also okay. It's enough for me to know that even just one more person knows that she existed. Okay, I'm going to stop doing the thing where I reference the title of the podcast in text and pretend like that counts as a clever pun. So expect maybe 10-minute episodes. Just a little hit of pro-woman goodness for you before you head off to work or, I don't know, move from the kitchen into your spare bedroom that is now your office because (laughs) that's how we all live now. (laughs) Anyway, just a little segment to pique your interest. Just like Italians drink coffee. A quick shot of sugary Spro at the bar and then you're off to face the world. Speaking of Italians, since I am recording this for you in beautiful, beautiful Roma, Italia, I'll start with a woman, a goddess, in fact, whom I hadn't heard of before seeing the ruins of her temple yesterday, a deity called Magna Mater, which means, of course, Great Mother, and Claudia Quinta, the woman essential to her adoption by the Romans. So I guess this episode is a bit of a two parter badass deity, badass woman. Let me start with the ruins of Magna Mater's temple. They were immense, stunning, and confusing (laughs) to me. I was a big Greek and Roman mythology nerd back in the day, you know, no big deal, I'm like tossing my hair right now, but it was like the elementary school day. So I guess I can forgive myself for not knowing about her, but like, damn, I had never heard of Magna Mater before. I could recite for you what I thought was the major pantheon of ancient Rome and I knew all the Greek god parallels too, you know, like Zeus, Jupiter, Aphrodite, Venus, Hera, Juno, etc., 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 but somehow no Magna Mater made her way into my consciousness. So, I'm going to digress just a tiny bit here because this is going to be a recurring theme on this podcast, I am sure. But damn, do we apply our own modern lenses, especially the patriarchal ones, to the past? There is a very strong desire to have a clear setup with Jupiter, the king, and his submissive wives, and all the people around him, serving him, whatever. But while that may have been the case in later Roman times and mythology, in earlier days, it was often all about that mother goddess power. And she was everywhere across the ancient world. So she was also known in Rome as Sibylle. Um, There are a few ways of pronouncing that, but I'll go with Sibylle, because I googled it yesterday. That's what it said. She is connected to the Anatolian Mater Kubilea, who is the only known Phrygian deity. In Lydia, she was connected to the court of King Midas, which is kind of interesting, like that King Midas. In Greece, she was connected to Rhea, who is the mother of all. The list just goes on and on. So it's kind of important to remember that what we think we know about these periods of time and the deities that were worshipped and the hierarchies they're in, it kind of depended on when you're talking about And if you look far enough back, things look a little murkier and a little more interesting, especially from a feminist perspective, and really only codified into these very strict hierarchical and patriarchal systems uh, a bit later on. Unfortunately, we happen to have a lot more archaeological evidence for later times, uh, you know, that are closer to us. But anyway, that's why I'm making this podcast, so that I can bring to light a couple of more interesting nuances and older mindsets that you may not have heard of. Sibylly was often flanked by, or even better, depicted as being in a chariot drawn by lions, which is just fucking awesome. She had a rad-sounding feast week in March or April, I've seen both, but whatever, around that time, called Megalesia with a fascinating amount of bloody symbolism of death and rebirth. Common theme in religion, of course, but side note, Lucretius described her followers as, and I quote, delighted by blood. (laughs) She also had, as many, many ancient goddess deities had, a youthful male consort called Addis. Addis may have been a later addition though, but regardless, throughout, he is always shown as subordinate to her. He attends her, so that's good stuff. So basically, the Greek oracle of Delphi, about whom I will someday have to do an episode, I'm sure, recommended that Rome adopt her as their goddess in about 200 BC to deal with a fuck ton of crappy omens, including meteor showers and famines all during the Punic Wars. Uh, According to the plaque I took a snapshot of yesterday right next to her ruined temple, quote, in 204 BC, faced with the threat of Hannibal's advance, The Senate vowed the construction of a temple next to that of Victoria, dedicated to Magna Mater, a deity from Asia Minor represented by a mysterious black stone. According to tradition, the goddess protected Aeneas when he fled from Troy, and would therefore protect the Romans who considered this hero for their noble ancestor. So, I was super curious about this mysterious black stone situation. Apparently, Magna Mater was quite literally physically transported from Phrygia, which is in modern-day Turkey, as a gift from the I, from the city of Pessinus, in the form of a stone that fell from the sky, so basically a meteor, one assumes. Pessinus is supposedly the site of King Midas, yes, that one, again. Um, his seat of rule, possibly as a concert to Sibylle, but that's all sort of up in the air historically and mythologically speaking, as the earliest ruins currently known from that area are from 400 BC, and Midas was supposedly king around 700 BC or so, which I know when we're getting that far back, it's like 400, 700, who cares? But like, you know what, it, it kind of matters, because if you think about where we are now versus where we were in like 1750, pretty big difference. Anyway, According to a very cool article I found called The Worship and Folklore of Meteorites by Oliver C. Farrington, the stone was, quote, described as conical in shape and ending in a point, brown in color and looking like a piece of lava. It fell at some unknown early time near Piscinus on the borderline between Phrygia and Galatia. The worship of Sibylle being carried on there, the stone was set up and adored as her image, With the greatest ceremony, the stone was brought to Rome. In gratitude for deliverance, a temple was erected to Sibylle. In it, a silver statue of the goddess was placed, and the stone was made to serve as her head. For more than 500 years thereafter, the stone was an object of public worship. In the course of time, however, the worship was discontinued, and the stone disappeared from view. Probably, alas, never to be found again. (laughs) I feel like you could tell it was written in 1900, like, alas, (laughs) don't despair, Oliver. You never know. We may yet find that stone. Anyway, here's when we get to Claudia Quinta, the second lady of the story and probably more likely to have actually physically existed at some point, although we don't really know for sure. But apparently the ship bearing this black stone from Piscinus ran aground on its way into Rome, which is not a super great omen if you're keeping track of all of the omens in the story thus far. Claudia Quinta, however, prayed to the goddess, then supposedly single-handedly towed the ship to its harbor. (laughs) This feat ended up being particularly useful to Claudia, who had been recently accused of in chastity. Obviously, this display of divine inspired strength vindicated her, and she became a paragon of virtue for Romans of her own time and thereafter. Side note I sort of wish we still lived in a time when totally unrelated feats of wonder could absolve you from any accusations. Husband, I braved the cat's litter box single handedly. Therefore, I am absolved of finishing the ice cream. Maybe. <laughs> Interesting side note from that too, Roman Emperor Claudius, the dude from the book, you know, I, Claudius, which you may or may not have read, would, a few hundred years later, claim Claudia Quinta as his ancestor, and may have even promoted a cult that possibly sprung up around her after her insane flex. So she was kind of a big deal. So you might be hearing a lot of maybes, probably's, possibly's. that's just the way it be when you're talking about stuff this long ago, but we're going to roll with it. So... That is that for our first episode of She Existed. Even if only in myth and legend, Magna Mater existed. Claudia Quinta existed. Thanks for listening, and here are your recommended Google starting phrases, since hopefully you found this as deeply fascinating as I did and want to learn more about it. Sibylle, C-Y-B-E-L-E, Megalesia, M-E-G-A-L-E-S-I-A, Claudia Quinta, c-l-a-u-d-i-a-q-u-i-n-t-a, and meteorites in history and religion, which definitely brings up a whole lot of interesting stuff. So happy hunting, and if you do end up in a Google rabbit hole, let me know where you ended up. Peace.